With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Raise Your Voice. It's been a while. Uh, I, I think I went dormant throughout most of the offseason. We dropped on the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network a couple of Who's on Worst episodes. Uh, but I think the last guest I had on was Darby Robinson. And Darby, we're, we're back in a somewhat different capacity. Back. We still, I don't think, know what the future holds for this podcast or the other podcasts on the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. But we're recording something. It will be released somewhere in the next day or two. <laughs> um, but yeah, let me just you know throw it on over to you. And we can try to figure out, you know, what the future is of this show and and where people will be able to find us. Yeah, I think this will be just one of those things where we are um, kind of expanding. I think in the last uh, Who's On Worst, we sort of talked about how kind of like Vox Media was sort of dropping support for all of their brand uh, podcasts or most, like 90% of them. Uh, and so you'll see a lot of your favorite um, SB Nation uh, blogs kind of migrating to new things and trying to find new homes and we are doing the same. And so uh, when we kind of have some more of that news, we will kind of post it out and like officially, and we are excited. There's some cool things in the works uh, with some other uh, blogs mm-hmm. to join forces in Avengers of, of, um, of sports blogging uh, fame. So some fun stuff, some good stuff. The good news, basically, for those listening, at the end of the day, you're still going to get some amazing content and you're going you're gonna to hear from us about the Rays. You're going to hear from us and Ashley about really awful baseball movies and hopefully some other uh, good shows coming through this feed. So um, the season's upon us and... Uh, a new season for the Rays and a new uh, life for D Rays Bay podcast galore network uh, stuff. And and I think I still fully expect like we're still fully part of like the D Rays Bay community. 
Um, you'll still have like people from D Rays Bay on the show. Like, I don't know, maybe we'll still post the links to our pod on the site because we know yes. the readership is still 100% there, even though the funds for podcasting and other things yeah. might not be there anymore. We're, we are very lucky. The physical site is still, still supported in terms of, you know, still hosted, still there. You can find it the exact same place. You don't have to find a new, new website um, or anything like that. So that's all good. But uh, in terms of in terms of uh, the podcasting world, the audio realm, you can still read all about it. And uh, if you get your content about the Rays from D Rays Bay, first of all, thank you, uh, and thank you for being loyal for over the years. This is how I got started with reading D Rays Bay and just logging on and finding cool stuff. And so, um, yeah, if you still go log on there, there'll be links to to this. So this is maybe how you're listening to it. So. Hey, this is just a whole bunch of stuff. We'll stop talking about the administrative part and get to the actual baseball because there's some good stuff to talk about. But just want to say thank you for following us to whatever platform. And thank you for still reading because we also got some really good stuff coming onto the site too. Definitely. One more thing though. I mean, Darby, I think you're the, you know, the last few years that I've done this, you've probably the the most frequent guest. You've got like the Steve Martin Five Timers Club jacket. Um, like you're in the club. Uh, but I, I think moving forward, this is going to be a more of a, a full-time basis. You and I kind of chopping it up on the weekends, you know, kind of recapping things and throwing all our raised takes out there, uh, which I'm glad about because uh, obviously it's a ton of fun having you on the show. And uh, I think the future of the show is going to look maybe a little different. Um, we'll still have guests on, but you'll hear Darby and myself a lot more frequently. Maybe one week it's just one of us, but... Um, kind of carrying this show forward and I think doing a lot more, you know, di- fun and different things with it and, and seeing where we can take it. The interim guest host uh, or the interim co-host title has been lifted. You've, you've right. officially yeah. signed. I've signed the multi-year <laughs> deal. Yeah. I mean, it got to the point where it's like, okay, um, these other two people can't do it. Uh, let's just go back to Darby. Like, I know we did it last week and the week before, but just keep, you know, come on again. And it just, that became a, a theme, I think, maybe like four out of the last five you've been on. But yeah, like you said, let's let's get to the baseball because, wow, opening weekend, the Detroit Tigers are in town. Uh, everybody thought they might be good last year, and it turns out they weren't. This year, I think they lost all of those expectations, and mm-hmm. they're still managing to finish beneath them. It was rough, right? They like last year coming in, they they were in on some free agents. They were potentially going to be in on Carlos Correa because of of um, Hinch as the manager, and and they ended up settling for Javi Baez, who was a pr- pretty good free agent signing. Um, but yeah, they're an absolute dumpster fire. Just I don't know what's going on. It it. it Everything this weekend was very funny because there's a lot, we're going to talk a lot about the Rays. So let's just get this out of the way right now because everybody was couching everything with like, I know it's against the Tigers, but to everything. So let's, instead of having to like, we're not going to do that every single time with each uh, player or performance, we go like, wow, they did great. We know it's, it's against the Tigers. It's a small sample size, but we'll move on. But yeah, the Tigers are, not great. There was some good pitching. There is some good stuff there. There is some raw Spencer Torkelson started to have some life. There was some yeah. very hard hit contact there. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez pitched very well in game one. So that's great to see him back. Um, Austin Meadows, old friend, Austin Meadows mm-hmm. had a, he had a great weekend. Um, but 
it's a, uh, it's, they got, it's going to be, and, and you know what? Any Rays fan can absolutely feel for our Tigers fans, friends, because this, we've been there. There's, you're, you're going to look at your Riley Greens and your Spencer Torkelsons, Jake Rogers, and go like, this is going to be great. You guys are going to be on some good teams. It's not going to be now, but it's going to be soon, hopefully. I think, you know, for, for baseball fans, obviously the Rays weren't on national TV at any point this weekend, but for baseball fans, people that are, that are paying attention to the entire league or watching quick pitch in the morning on MLB Network, I think you, you walk away from this opening weekend and the Rays are kind of leaving the biggest impression so far on the season. I mean, there's been some good series. Obviously, Aaron Judge looks like he's going to hit 60 home runs again. Um, there's been some good performances, but the team performance, I mean, one, no one's played better than the Rays, but I think they are the topic of discussion. Well, the, a couple years ago, um, there was a kind of antiquated uh, sports caster um, who who tried to tried to say that, you know, the Rays were neither interesting nor charismatic. Um, I don't think anybody in their right mind could make that claim now. They were wrong. It, yeah. Wrong then. But last but year they might have been is, right. This is, they had some, well, they, the people that were healthy, maybe, <laughs> but uh, the, there was a lot of really care. There's a lot of charisma on the injured list. No, this year though, I, I they, this is a one of, and I think actually almost uniquely, this is a extremely high personality, mm-hmm. high charisma, super exciting, fun team. Like this is like the rays that we've no, kind of come to love the last couple of years with that energy like dialed up to 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so this weekend we got to see, we're, we're going to have a, we have to talk about Randy specifically because he's becoming a like global superstar or yeah. he is, he is, he's not becoming, he is, he is the coming out party is there, but we know Randy's there. Wander started extremely hot. Uh, he has what three double? He's seven for eleven after this weekend mm-hmm. with a home run, three doubles, a stolen base. He's walking. He got a base yeah. every single game twice. Actually, he got a base twice in every single game at least. Uh, this is the kind of thing I think people kind of weirdly the prospect shine somehow got rubbed off by a lot of people. There was a lot of shortstop lists where he where Wander was coming in like fourteenth, fifteenth, like we were forgetting like this is a guy that got a monster deal huge extension top prospect in baseball it was a mike trout level uh, prospect this is like we can't forget about that and this weekend i think really showed like oh yeah yeah, yeah. by the way this kid is what 22 people were calling him like a future <laughs> hall of famer as a teenager yeah um, which is a absurdly <laughs> high levels of standards to live up but, to but this, that's the this level of prospect it. that he is like that's how this shows it right and we had we had a what julio rodriguez last year had his big coming out party and was yeah. you know impact player we got to remember wander is that level mm-hmm. like this is this is a guy who was the best prospect in all of baseball for a very good reason and he showed it this weekend we saw jose siri I mean, he's already given us some memes, some like great meme templates forever showing off the uh, El Rayo uh, tattoo, um, the lightning bolt there. He he had a big hit and RBI in every single game over the weekend. He is he hasn't even made a huge highlight reel catch yet because the Tigers didn't make enough contact to really <laughs> have him do that. Um 
And, but he was exciting and thrilling. He got a steal today. There was two pickoff moves. So Siri gets a, a, a base knock, gets on to first. There's two pickoff moves. They were barely, they didn't come close. So after that second pickoff, it was like this, there, there is no chance he's not running. And there's also no chance he's getting thrown out pitch jake rogers just put it in his pocket like the the, yeah. the new rules for like a guy like jose siri he is going to be going a ton and he's going to be stealing a lot of bases which is what rob manfred and baseball wants they want steals they want excitement bam jose siri yandy diaz is elevating baseballs he's getting on base brandon Lau is back he's smacking uh, uh balls all around the infield uh josh lowe had a monster he's had three doubles uh already in two games uh this this team is packed with excitement and then of course the centerpiece of that and the centerpiece for the Rays like almost level of superstardom is Randy Arozarena Brett I I have this question and I've been thinking about this is Randy Arozarena the biggest superstar at least in terms of pop cultural impact that the Rays have ever had. Is he that, the that's most amazing. famous player that the Rays have ever had? The the most known? He, I mean, Wade Boggs, I think, will always be, like, number one. But of the modern era, like, he's more of a superstar glo- like globally than Evan Longoria was. I mean, I think the thing is, you think about, like, Jose Canseco, uh fred mcgriff wade boggs but those guys were tail end of their careers they were they were one foot away out the door so they were established names well known but they weren't making their name known and they they weren't culturally relevant at the time they were on the team i think that's the key they they might have been bigger stars well known but like in their prime in their era well I, i i've got a prediction Okay. MLB The Show 2024, Randy Arozarena on the cover. I mean, the trajectory he's on, the the Randy stance, that will be the cover of MLB The Show. It is like on every MLB, like all promo material, social media, the Rays are capitalizing on it big time. Um, It is like a, a face of the franchise. Like he is, like you said, the most popular player. And I think, you know, we get lost in how good Wander Franco is going to be and how Mm -hmm. good Brandon Lau is. And even guys like Yanni Diaz having career years. Like Randy Rosarena not only is a tremendously entertaining baseball player, he has the potential to be an an, an MVP candidate level player. I don't think we're going to see him do that for a a five-year stretch, but he definitely, with his athleticism and with his ability at the plate, could have, like, you know, a seven, eight war season where he hits 40 home runs and steals 25 bases. I mean, with the new bases, he could do 40, 40. We haven't had a 40, 40 guy. He will damn sure try. He will, he will at least steal. He will at least attempt enough (laughs) to do that. Um, I no, I I 100% agree. I think in terms of, and we have seen this though with Randy in periods of time, there may not be a better and more dangerous player when mm-hmm. he gets hot, mm-hmm. like we're talking like Otani, Judge, like Trout, like when Randy is locked in, like he was in the 2020 postseason, like Randy was in the World Baseball Classic, 
he's the most fearsome player like on the planet. And it's, it's great. He's not always like that. He does not hit like that all the time. If he did, he'd be Mike Trout. But like when he gets locked in, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an unbelievably exciting, like thrilling experience. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I think like, you know, Evan Longoria, Ben Zobris, David Price, BJ Upton. Like these are some Carl Crawford. Those were your franchise players. Players. But like outside of Tampa Bay, you know, people knew about Longoria. He was very popular. He's the the all-star on the team that, you know, they try really hard and he plays third base for them. Good for him. You had rookie of the years. You had Cy Young winners, Blake Snell. You had David Price. Like you had Cy Young winners. They didn't have, you know, we had some commercials with Longoria. Yeah. Where he's chasing down his hat. Uh, You had David Price on uh, MLB 2K, but like. 2009 Longoria was like the peak of like his. He, he was coming off the World Series appearance and winning Rookie of the Year, and everybody thought he was going to be, you know, a, a future Hall of Fame third baseman and still put together a great career. But, like, 2009, 2010 was, like, his peak. And I think that's what we're seeing Randy hit right now in terms of, of popularity. And even then, I don't know. I don't remember seeing Longoria, like, leading Sports Center. Yeah. Like, I'm not seeing mm-hmm. Longoria mm-hmm. as, like, MLB they're mm-hmm. like they are putting his highlights out his face out his like his like highlights are everywhere mm-hmm. and that's the thing with the two, 2020 postseason that was his coming up party the world baseball classic was the global launch of randy rose arena like yeah. i mean we're t- like we're seeing every huge baseball influencer baseball writer they're all talking about this guy which Again, it's very odd for the Rays to get like any kind of attention and love, but like Randy is such a popular guy. He is like magma level, like popular. Everybody's talking about him. And like the the stance, the 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 arms crossed. You have all of Mexico doing this. Like he became a like iconic athlete for the entire country of Mexico. And and it's him, like every kid in these, the, we're seeing like Mexican little leaguers, like doing the, uh, the, the Randy arm cross. You're yeah. seeing that like everywhere. And it's like, this is a crazy big, like cultural mm-hmm. impact moment that the Rays have. And he's amongst like a bunch of great players. And it's kind of this, this interesting and charismatic era of the Rays is kind of led by, by Randy. I think I mentioned this last year, maybe the year before, but the Rays are a team, like a team of professional wrestlers. Like they're all showmen and they feed into like the energy, like really, even on nights where like the trop wasn't packed. Like you mentioned the Brett Phillips walk off and he's like grabbing the rope. But Randy is very much that. And I say that as I'm watching in the background, the main event of, of WrestleMania, but like you could see a Randy Rosarena, like being one of those professional athletes that like makes a WWE run and is really good at it. Um, it's he has the personality that jumps off the screen yeah absolutely he could he could absolutely do it i i i feel like i feel like you'd want to do it too because he's always uh-huh. just he's just doing he is just a he he's a guy i think that is one of those those players that not only is a showman but he he likes the spotlight he thrives in the spotlight and it feels genuine like it feels like he likes it for the fans like i i like to sit out in left field when i go to the trap um 
just for like the price of tickets and I love the sight lines. And so Randy is always out there and like he is always engaging with the crowd and he gets a rise out of it. But I think he like does it for the fans too because it keeps them engaged in the game and he just does it all. We're, we're seeing, I mean, we saw it in the World Baseball Classic. He's like signing balls and gloves and swag in between the innings. Like the people are loving him. And it he might end that, up being the president of Mexico one day. <laughs> he, he, I feel like could run and win in a landslide. I've, it is, it is, it's incredible. And that what's great is, you know, during, you know, watching MLB TV right now, you have the baseball Zen moments, you know, mm-hmm. in the commercial breaks. Like half of them are Randy highlights from the World Baseball Classic, him signing balls. And you're seeing like the, the, the faces of people. It's like, it's, it is like he's the Pope, right? It's incredible. It's insane. And I know I said earlier, he, he could very well have, you know, an MVP type season. But I think realistically right now, you'd still probably call him like the third or fourth, maybe even fifth best player on the team. If you include the pitchers too, like you've got Franco it's... and maybe you'd still take Brandon Lau and then Glass now and McClanahan. And then you're like, okay, now I'll take Randy if you're, you know, you're doing a raised draft. This is, and, and I think we, we got to sort of talk about this, is this team, this Rays core right now, we're in a very special time. We're oh, yeah. in incredible special time. So, you know, opening day, we, it was kind of wild. We, we were sort of chatting about and we were writing about the, you know, the, the, the spring training battles and camp battles. And this is one of those weird years where like going in, we weren't really there was a couple of camp battles to talk about. We were talking about like the last spot in the bullpen mm-hmm. and like the, the, the lefty platoon bat for the bench and like a utility guy, like that's it. There was nothing, the starting lineup, pretty much seven out of the nine spots locked in. Well, this the is what happens. Locked in bullpen locked in. It's, this this doesn't really happen with the Rays that often, but they've also went into this offseason. They didn't sign a lot of guys. They signed Zach Eflin. We're going to talk about the pitching in the next segment, but they didn't sign a lot of free agents. They didn't make a lot of trades, but yeah. they locked up the core. They decided like, we don't really, the money out there, the players that we want to bring in, they're not that much better or maybe not better at all than what we have. So let's just instead spend to lock up Yandy Diaz, Jeffrey Springs. Let's let's keep Pete uh, Fairbanks uh, in the back end of that bullpen. Like let's and you know last offseason re-signing guy. Like this is a team that is basically said we like this core. The window is wide open. Mm-hmm. Not just this year, not just next year. It's it's wide open. So let's let's keep let's build on this core we have right now. You know we 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 look back at last year, which like out of say you know since since I'd say including 2018 where they won 90 games and missed the postseason, the least fun, absolute worst race team of that five-year, you know, stretch, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22, they still won 86 games and made the postseason. Like if, and, and you look at, you know, with all those injuries, you still had some really talented players, some young players that needed that experience. But right now, this is what you get for having the best farm system in baseball for, a, for about a three-year stretch. And yes, you can look at some of those top end guys like the Brendan McKay's who, who I think we can call a bust at this point. His career will not continue with the Rays, and I don't know if he'll ever have significant playing he's, time in the big league. He's still in the org. He's still in for the now. org. 
I think I mean, it's kind yeah, of like a favor at this point. It's it's tough, right? You had you had a top five pick. It didn't it didn't work it out. It didn't work out. You needed impact. You needed yeah. impact. And you picked a college arm that had you know just been run into the ground at Louisville, and it you paid the, the safest for the the safest player though because it was Definitely. like as a as a pitcher safest. Floor. I mean, he was big league ready. Hitter, when he was drafted safest floor. And yeah, no, it's, it just, that's, that's what happens. That's, that's, that's baseball. That's prospects. It's rough. But they had the prospect depth that not only could they bring up, but they can, you know, trade a Matthew Liberator to bring in the Randia Rosarena prospect capital, you know, prospects are great, but they're also, you know, trade capital. Uh, and you can bring in the, the Randia Rosarenas of the world, uh, the Manuel Margos of the world. You can bring in a lot of these players that, uh, are going to be helpful at the big league level and then keep the guys like Josh Lowe, who, you know, early, but he's having a good start to the season. Uh, we'll talk about that roster construction in a second and, and him making the team over a guy like Vidal Brujan. Um, but this, it feels so good. And again, it's opening weekend. They're not going to go 162 and 0. We're probably going to, you know, get swept by the A's this weekend. Like we will get brought down to earth. But <laughs> everything that happened this weekend, all of the good performances, which was, I don't know, everybody, like maybe yeah. Christian Bethencourt had an off weekend at the plate, but I'm not worried about him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing felt like a fluke, though. Okay, Shane McClanahan was the starter at the All-Star game last year for the American League, pitched like an ace. Yeah. Okay, Zach Eflin, the guy you signed to the biggest free agent deal in franchise history, pitched like a big free agent acquisition. Jeffrey Springs, another guy you just gave an extension to, yeah, threw six shutout and struck out 12. Yeah, Wander Franco hit like an MVP candidate. Randy Rosarena had came in through in, in big moments. Brandon Lau found ways to get on base. Yeah, that's what this team is built for. Like, it wasn't like a Sam Fold came through and, oh my gosh, he had such a great weekend. No, the stars played like stars. Everybody else just, you know, they, they, they all played really. Manuel Margot had a diving catch. It, they got contribution like Luke Rayleigh oh, yeah. contributed a two out base knock single, which is great. But like if Luke Rayleigh went like five for eight and had like if he had like a Trace Thompson three three home run game, like you'd be like, wow, that's awesome. I'm still not necessarily buying Luke Rayleigh as now the like 30 mm-hmm. home run middle of the order bat. But like when, like you're right, like when Wander and Randy and Yandi and Brandon Lau and Shane McClanahan, those guys are performing and like Pete Fairbanks is locking down. Oh yeah, obviously the Mm -hmm. team invested in money in all of those guys. These guys have performed before. It's one of those things where your priors are justified because they, you know, they played well in spring. They played well last year. They play, you know, it's like when this team is healthy and, and that's, that's kind of a thing coming into this year, right? They didn't make a lot of changes. They kept the core. A lot of people after last year, after like you, you're right. It was a, it was a grind, right? The September was a brutal <laughs> month because the team was, did, did well enough to be in position to win, you know, win the wild card, but they were very hurt. So they needed to try to get healthy. And so they, we're just basically kind of coasting and trying to get healthy down the stretch. You probably rushed a couple guys back like Wander and Yandi. And it was a, it was a rough go. You know, you like kind of stumble into the postseason. You pitch extremely well against mm-hmm. Cleveland, but you lose two to one and one to nothing. 
you yeah. know, and it, and you don't and you don't score enough runs, and you go to a huge extra inning game that keeps on going, and you don't score, and and you're you're like, okay, you didn't add anything, but the thing is, the team did. This team didn't have Brandon Lau. It didn't yeah. have a healthy Wander. It it didn't have any contributions from any of those young players like Josh Lowe. It didn't have a healthy Manuel Margot. Mm-hmm. Like like these are huge key pieces to this team. It it I don't even know how healthy have... Shane McClanahan was. And he was tired down the stretch. Yeah. You 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 really did not have the team built the way they thought. And and I think that's where when they re-rolled this kind of club this year, I think that was a sign that like they saw 2021 Mm -hmm. as much more accurate than 2022. And so 2021, they were the second best run producing offense. They scored the second most runs to just the Houston Astros. And they lost that at the very last day of this, the last game of the season. They were one of the best offenses in baseball in 2021 because up and down the lineup, they got contributions. This series, like this weekend, there was contributions from everybody. It was a deep lineup. It was a lineup that was unrelenting. And it was an unrelenting lineup to a team like the Tigers because they're just, you you didn't have bad at-bats. You didn't have easy outs. You had guys that were like making contact, putting the ball in play. They were drive. They were giving some good exit velocity numbers. They were actually driving the ball. And it was just, it was top to bottom. It was just hard to get out of innings without damage because even at two outs, the next guy up could do damage. Mm-hmm. And I, I we're going to get definitely called like marks for the front office. We're just absolutely shilling for them. Um, but, you know, I almost wonder if this was not a big like, a big master plan, but they kind of went into the offseason a little more vocal about their need for more offense. You had Peter Bendix and Eric Neander, you know, go on these radio shows and do these different radio spots and say, yeah, you know, we're we're looking for, for offense. We scored a lot less last year. You know, maybe a left-handed bat. I think Peter Bendix said, we're looking into a left-handed bat, which was very unraised, like, you know, discussing what their plans are um, going into an offseason. And so that set them up for a lot of criticism when that left-handed bat didn't totally. come. But I don't know if it maybe it was a a bit of a you know a false flag, and they were just trying to you know show one thing and, and do the other. Because yes, I'm sure they were in on these guys, and and yes, there were definitely some guys that I, I'm sure they wish they could have signed, but they weren't going to get into a bidding war and get sucked into a contract that they didn't want to pay or that Stu wasn't willing to pay. I, and I think with this, I, I you know, I, I definitely don't want to say that like it's the right move to just like keep everybody. I I think there was definitely some guys that I really wanted coming into the offseason. There were some guys I didn't really want. And I think it's totally fair to not necessarily want a player for the price tag that they got. And that's what mm-hmm. free agency is. Uh, it's not that people don't deserve it because if somebody paid you, they deserved it. That's mm-hmm. the market. They set the market price. But like, there's a difference between like, X team can spend more and I don't care how much, you know, Stu Sternberg spends. That's fine. That's true. I don't really, I'm not worried about his bottom line. He's going to be fine. He's going to sleep on some very high thread count sheets, I'm sure. But like, I can also think like Jose Abreu at his age 
at the years that it took Houston to get them at some very troubling trend lines in Chicago, I can be like, I don't know if I want to. Not yeah. with Kyle Manzardo just around the corner or Curtis Mead. Like, maybe let's not go. Like, maybe let's be in for like a year or two. But four years? Okay, no, never mind. I'm out. Michael Brantley, I, I was very vocal. I wanted Brantley. He went back to Houston. I don't know if you can really beat that because I think he's very comfortable in Houston and his family's there. I think I think that's one of those things where maybe he wasn't, he was always going to be there. You had a guy like David Peralta who could have been an impact player you bring back, but then you think, is he better than Josh Lowe? Is he equal to Josh Lowe? And if he is equal, is that worth basically giving up on Josh Lowe or leaving him down in Durham where he's not going to necessarily improve? I don't know. There was a lot of things where it was like you make a maybe a big swing towards a Brandon Nimmo. And when, you know, the Mets go out over the top on that, you go, okay, whatever. We we know what we have. We know what it takes to beat that. Let's let's see what we can do. And maybe some trades didn't even materialize. Maybe stuff right. is set up. Like we, we really don't know. Like th- this team is never like finished. It's never like a fully baked in product. It's not like the Padres, which have basically signed or the Braves, which have signed literally the top nine for mm-hmm. the next eight or nine years. They there's a core here, which is very there, but there's some things on the on the uh, kind of fringes and the peripheries that they're kind of always tinkering with. And that's that's fine. That's that's cool. Um, I think coming in, I thought there was a difference between I would love to add another veteran bat or another player that could maybe raise the floor of the team. But I also think people were a little hyperbolic in the sense that like, if they don't add this team, that floor was dramatically lower than people thought. I I thought the floor was a lot better that this, this core of offense that won 86 games in 2022 with like a complete disaster health wise was not in need of so much talent that they needed to go out and do that something like sean murphy like i would have loved that especially at the price tag but who the hell knows what oakland's like evaluations are so like that's one of those things where they could have been asking for like curtis mead and manzardo or esturi uh ruiz and it's like what in the world is and, and he looks good so far with them but like they also traded for Christian Pache as like a central piece. And then cut him. Matt Olson, and now he's cut a year later. So I, I don't know exactly what Oakland's doing. I would have loved Sean Murphy. That would have been a great impact to this team. That's still an area of you know potential need, but it takes two to trade, and sometimes teams just have a different evaluation. Yeah, and uh, I don't think the Rays ever plan on having to go into the season in July you know, needing an upgrade. They, they, they'd like to not appear desperate at the deadline as some other teams might. Um, but the worst thing for this organization right now or for, for this part of the organization would be for Josh Lowe to have gone to AAA and his value uh, just really hit zero because um, he was a guy with a lot of trade value. I think it went down a good bit last year, but there's still some there. And if he can prove to be a viable major league player for a rebuilding organization, then that value will be there. Um, and I, th- I think if you're the Rays, you want to keep that value as high as you can because, yes, maybe he's not the left-handed bat that will save the season, but maybe you can turn him in or you can acquire in another trade a, a bigger left-handed bat and you can use him to, to move you know somewhere else. Um, but overall, I, I want to talk a little bit more. We're going to transition into 
kind of the season and, and our outlook for the season. But I want to talk a little bit about, you know, more about the baseball from this weekend. Um, was there anybody that stood out maybe, you know, out of the bullpen or just someone that you thought had, had a really good weekend and, and made a good first impression? There's, there's so many, there's <laughs> so, so many. Um, I think for me, top has to be Jeffrey Springs. Yeah. Um, uh, ben, Ben Whitelaw is calling him the Carolina Reaper. Mm. Um, who's he's from North Carolina. Uh, I also saw somebody post and I forget who it was. So I apologize, but uh, silent Springs. So for any of you, uh, <laughs> kind of environmentalists out there, some Rachel Carson, uh, quite, he's, he's, as, he's as deadly as Deet uh, was to uh, <laughs> um, bald eagles uh, and their eggs. Um, yeah, there you go. They're throwing some nerdy uh, 1970s con- conservationism in there. Um, maybe even earlier. Uh, but yeah, Jeffrey Springs, I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do- he is one of the most electric left-handed pitchers in all of baseball. Mm. Why? And that's not hard. It's not hype. It's not like going that crazy to say that. And he was a journeyman reliever last year. He was DFA'd by the Red Sox and we traded Ronaldo Hernandez, who has been terrible as a prospect in the Red Sox organization. A guy that was originally tabbed to be our, our, the, the, the the next uh, franchise catcher. The only hyperbole is the fact that you can go from that to a guy that could easily be a top of the rotation starter yeah. for several teams. He's got the third spot for the Rays right now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the stuff there, he even outdueled Shane McClanahan or at least rivaled him. Mm-hmm. Like Shane McClanahan had 16 whiffs. Jeffrey Springs had 13 springs no hits only one walk uh 12 k's i mean just utter domination uh and that was uh, three great pitching performances three great pitching performances shame clanahan six innings pitched four hits one walk six k's springs no no hard contact i mean just nothing was tough uh jose siri after the game was saying he was he was almost like forgetting to to get ready in center field. It was he was so dominant, and you know he wasn't not even it really involved. Uh, yeah. Springs was just absolutely cruising it. It it's it's my top performance for the Rays because he just it's the type of performance when when the Rays gave him that extension when the Rays transitioned him to a starter that was like whoa that's weird. Then he performed well, and you're like wow the. this is such a weird razy move but like clearly that was probably an outlier we probably saw the best of jeffrey springs we're probably not going to see a better version of jeffrey springs no the rays then signed him to an extension and that's when i think everybody in baseball is like all right i this is unlike the rays this is a guy that you sell high on you Mm. trade as fast as possible but if the Rays are signing him, that means they're like, no, no, no. Last year, that's that's him. Mm-hmm. Or maybe actually, maybe even just get the better. tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And this start, I mean, again, I said it. It's, it's yes, it's against the Tigers, but holy moly, what a what an absolute stud performance from Jeffrey Springs. And I'm excited to see where he goes. Some of the some of the 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 pitch shapes 
the this the command and the movement it's just it's un, it's absolutely uh unfair to throw him out there and that's your third starter potentially your fourth starter when glass now gets back um really yeah. incredible i mean just really really incredible he is my standout pitching yeah. guy who who do you have as a standout i i think it's luke rayleigh I mean, real. Oh, I love it. And, and just from I like expectations, it. I know he had such the you know such a great spring, and you know hit five home runs or whatever in the spring, and just came up and, and looked like a big league hitter. And I was impressed at, with with times last year what he looked like. And I think what I'm what I'm most impressed is how the Rays are going to manage having him and Josh Lowe on the roster together, because for the longest time the discussion was. You know, is it going to be Josh Lowe or Luke Rayleigh? Are they going to have to find another home for Josh Lowe? And then, you know, Luke Rayleigh's going to get that job because he just looks a little bit more like the finished article or vice versa. You know, if Luke Rayleigh had been DFA'd at any point last year, none of us would have batted an eye. This year, you know, Vidal Bruhan is very much healthy and could very much play in the big leagues right now. Uh, but they chose to use this magical fourth option that I didn't know he had. I don't know many people knew that he had going into this year. So they put Vidal Bruhan down in AAA, and they start the year with both Lowe and Rayleigh, uh, and they both got at-bats this weekend. I think Rayleigh had seven plate appearances, and Josh Lowe had five. Um, so pretty you know, pretty even split. And I, I really like the way the bench is set up, and it feels like Darby, a little bit of a departure from the Rays' valuing defense and versatility as much. Uh, they are very much the same type of player, uh, but they're both crazy athletic. They are both good base runners and fast, and they can both play a pretty decent outfield. And so to have two of those guys, and the, the upside is there with the bat. It feels like there's a lot more focus on offense um, with this roster construction right now, uh, but the defense isn't taking, like, I don't know. Is Vidal Bruhan a good big league outfielder? I'm not convinced. So I'm really into this roster construction right now and the offense focus of it all to start the season. What's interesting is that they're getting a lot of people involved. You know, they're getting a lot of, they're using a lot of subs. They're, they're getting people involved. They're able to, to kind of move people around and it's, it's kind of wild. So you you have like Luke Rayleigh and Josh Lowe finishing the last two games. Uh, Rayleigh at first and and Josh Lowe in the outfield, mm-hmm. uh, getting to to finish the 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 three three headed Randy arm cross pose in the yes. outfield. It's become the the thing. Which again, Josh Lowe is doing his good job trying to keep as cool as uh, Randy and Jose Siri out there, but he's he's doing it. He's he's mm-hmm. got there his headband on. Um, but they're out there. You're seeing Paredes. You're seeing uh, Walls. You're seeing like the whole bench get involved and be used and utilized. And you're seeing platoon matchups. You're seeing pinch hit opportunities. You're seeing pinch run opportunities. In the first game, you had, you know, Yandi who got on base again, get to second, and then he's pinch hit or pinch run for with. Uh, Taylor Walls, who's then going to take over for defense. You, then you could move uh, Isak Paredes uh, around on the other side. There's a there is a lot of versatility there. The 
bats though are kind of the ones that are taking center stage the pitching was was incredible though this weekend i think you didn't really need you didn't really need the defense that much yeah six of your eight relievers pitched and like they all did well and it was just and again things went maybe i think all i think maybe all eight relievers got in in these first three games actually i think everybody was used yeah foche uh kevin kelly Beeks got used today. Uh, yeah, Thompson and Beeks were today, which was uh, the last of them. So, yeah, you had everybody used. Nobody was overused. Only Poche was used twice. And again, there there will be you know a day where the bullpen blows up and everybody threw twenty pitches the night before, and Zach Eflin gets lit up for eight runs, and you're like, what do we do? Um, this weekend is not going to be what the season looks like. It would, baseball wouldn't be as fun. If this is what it looks like, right? Um, it would be for race fans, but everybody played their role. And so I say Luke Rayleigh as my pick, as you know, he didn't light the world on fire, but he played his role and he did a you know an okay job for an opening weekend. And I think one through twenty six, um, this team this team is built for the long run. And you look down at the Durham Bulls roster, there's plenty of guys that are waiting to for their chance to contribute at some point this year. I mean, that's the thing. I think one of the things is the Rays offense is not a stars and scrubs based offense, mm-hmm. right? It's not relying on nobody scoring until, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's it's not, you need, if Trout or Otani isn't hitting a home run, you're not mm-hmm. winning this game. It's a team that has a very strong, like top four when you got, Yandi, Lau, uh, Randy, and Wander. Mm-hmm. But then I think that's where somebody like Luke Rayleigh is interesting is this team, this lineup is built to be the nobody sucks lineup. Like if you can avoid no sucky players, no players that are like bad, that are just a strong negative. And that's how they built such a good offense in 2021. It was a bunch of guys where it's like your worst player is like a 90 WRC plus like a very solid replacement level bat. And yeah. like nobody is deep into the negative. Nobody is giving you absolutely nothing. And that is how you can really extend games. And you can get something, you know, in in the second game against the Tigers, the the, the Rays lineup had a top four, Yandi, Lau, Randy, and Wander. Great. All, you know, some of the best players they have. Then it was... Luke Rayleigh is the is the DH in the number five spot. Yep. Jose Siri at number six. Uh, Taylor Walls at number seven. Josh Lowe at number eight. And then Francisco Mejia at number nine. So that's like your section. Like, okay, in that game, very early on, you had Yandi and Lau and Randy and Wander all get on base, right? They were just like getting on base like constantly and they were getting into scoring position. And then it was relying on that crew to do damage. And- yep. And that's where that's where it happened. Is suddenly then you get like a big hit from Jose Siri. You get a big hit from Taylor Walls. You get a couple of big hits from Josh Lowe. Mm. You get like a, a nice single from Mejia that would have probably been gotten in the shift last year. You get a lot of these things where it's like you just need one or two hits from them, those guys. You don't need Jose Siri mm. to go three for five. He just needs to get like one big hit, and then suddenly the next guy gets a chance. Because then if Jose Siri is getting a hit, maybe that scores a run. But then once he's on base, he's going to be in scoring position. Yeah. Just take 
It'll take him a second, but he'll get to second. He might even try to steal third. And we saw in spring training, maybe he'll steal even home. He's going to just be a, a threat. You also have him oftentimes batting ninth and Yandy's at, at the top. If he can get on base, suddenly Yandy can get a gap ball series scoring from first. There's it's a lineup where there's not enough, there's not a glaring hole. And if they can avoid that, then this offense will click. You don't need Randy to go mm-hmm. spotlight Randy to carry you. He can have a bad game. You can have Lau have a bad game and you can still put up runs. And with this pitching, you really don't need a lot of runs, but you do need some. And I think this is a lineup that actually is built really well for, like you said, the the 162 game grind. They're a team that just needs to be able to contribute, get enough contributions from everybody. And if somebody has to go down or somebody's struggling, or if somebody gets hurt, you have some high level depth in Durham. You do. And man, uh, I think just getting back to the season, this off season felt like, I think a disappointment, even those who took a realistic approach to it, like, oh, you, you got involved with some big names again and just couldn't make it happen. But rem- getting over this reminder this week is not only how deep the Major League roster is, but this this farm still is 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 so impressive. Um, and it's been it's it's been a good start to the season, and, and we mentioned it earlier. You get the the Nats next, then you get Oakland. I mean, this is a very good setup to start the year. And all the other teams in the division will play these teams too. Um, but to get that lead out, you can keep the winning ways up to to get out in an early lead in the AL East. Man, that, that's going to feel really good. It's every game matters. It's a balanced schedule now or a bit more balanced than it was. And so, yeah, you just want to just – you. the thing is, Everybody, like you said, everybody gets these teams. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to win these, these games. games. <laughs> <laughs> they count just as much as the games that they're going to face against the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Orioles and the Red Sox. And but to win them, where you only use those. your A bullpen. If you only have to use your A bullpen once in the weekend, like that's the bigger win. Right. Like that sets you right. up really great for this coming week where if Fairbanks has to go – you know, 12 pitches one night, 18 the next. I don't know how, you know, if they'll do that this early in the season, but like they can, they'll build that. So yeah. they'll build themselves, you know, that ability. So I mean, Darby, it's anything? one of those. Go ahead. It's, oh yeah. No. So I, for me this weekend, it was one of those things where the race took care of business against a team. They should have, that they are better than we got to see contributions from everybody. We got to see the pitchers perform like we hoped they would. We got to see everybody in the bullpen get involved. We got to see everybody in the bench get involved. And everybody got to have a little bit of fun. And that is exactly what you want from that opening weekend. Everybody's healthy. Everybody had a good time. We got some great memes out of it, which is really important for us uh, in the social media world. Um, and and it, you just had a very good, very strong vibes opening weekend for the 60,000 uh uh people fans they got to attend over the weekend 20,000 minimum or it was 19,000 on one a little over 20 on another another 20,000 uh you got to see the 
the awesome Devil Rays Day on opening day. You got to see the great uh, tribute to the legendary Don Zimmer on Sunday. Um, it, it, just a fantastic kickoff to the season. Um, and, and hopefully the vibes, both on the team and in Tampa and St. Pete and the whole Bay Area down there, uh, hopefully it's just as high as it, it really appeared on the screen. Well, Darby, I think, you know, this is a great opening weekend, a, a great podcast to kind of get us caught up. Uh, but since, you know, we have also haven't been around this much, that much this offseason, I think we also got to take the time uh, to talk a little bit about Dave Wills, um, who sadly passed away yes. um, shortly before the start of the season. Dave was um, someone who I listened to since I was five years old when he started calling race games and a voice of my childhood and someone who very much inspired me uh, to get into, you know, baseball broadcasting and baseball media uh, and really just kind of helped my love for the game grow and grow. And uh, kind of, I don't think I ever tweeted about it, but it was, it was tough, um, you know, listening to the radio early on this, this weekend, um, Neil, Solant has done an amazing job. He's very deserving. Um, and, and I'm really excited to listen to him call Rays games um, for a long time, I hope. But it's really weird not hearing Dave Wills on the call with Andy Freed. And uh, I, you know, I, I just felt we needed to, to address that on this show because I think without Dave Wills and Andy Freed and their calls together, that uh, Raise Your Voice might not have ever existed. Well said. Yeah, it's it, it was a very, gosh, so sad and so like sudden and like, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, Dave was somebody that uh, I, I only met once in, in person um, in Seattle. And I mean, I think everybody always sort of talks about it, right, that that knew him much better. And he just like filled up a room. He like just lit up. He was he was just a big personality a lot of charisma, a lot of just like a boisterous guy who just made everybody feel welcome and, you know, seen. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's a, they, there's a reason why somebody like Dave Wills, you know, passing has such a big impact. This because he lived a, a life that was full and he left a big impact in a lot of people. And I, I think it's, you know, it's a tremendous loss, obviously, to the, the Rays community. It's a tremendous loss to the broadcast community. It's obviously mm -hmm. a huge loss to his family and, and his friends. And um, But he, he is somebody that will be kept alive through a lifetime of great stories, great oh, yeah. memories, and some great some calls. Amazing calls. Yeah. Amazing <laughs> calls. And I think that's something that, you know, as, as a broadcaster, as a as somebody who, who kind of had a life in baseball, um, he's somebody that will be uh, well-remembered, enshrined in baseball history mm -hmm. with some legendary moments and calls. And that's, and that's great. And they'll, they'll be the patch for Dave on, on the Rays helmets all year. There's going to be later on this season against the White Sox. There'll be a, um, a day dedicated to him. Uh, it was some pregame ceremonies, I believe. Because Dave also worked with the Chicago White Sox uh, in his career, so two two places that uh, he left a big impact on. Definitely. So, 
I think that is going to do it for uh, this week's episode, the first episode of 2023 of Raise Your Voice um, for Darby Robinson, uh, Brett Rutherford. Wherever you are listening to us, we don't even know where this is going out. Um, please stay tuned to our social media accounts um, at BG Rutherford 99 and Darby, yours is? At Darby underscore Robinson. At Darby underscore Robinson and at D-Rays Bay uh, and DRaysBay.com. Um, tons of great content will still be coming there. You can still hear from us through those channels. Uh, but in terms of where you're actually downloading this podcast, that is to be determined. Thank you guys so much for listening and going with uh, coming along with us on this journey. And we'll talk to you next week.